Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to the Referendum Season 5 with lead analyst Jesse J. And I'm your host, Big John, brought to you by FinFlam Sports. This is the bi-weekly review of the XFL, where this week we take a look at Weeks 3 and 4 and make our predictions heading into Week 5, the midpoint of the 10-week season. Jesse, how you doing? Good, how about you? Pretty good, pretty good. It's been an exciting uh, few uh, two weeks of the XFL in Weeks 3 and 4, and Week 3 was just insane. The environment in D.C. when... The Battlehawks went to Washington. That was a fantastic game at Audi Field. That crowd, the the competitiveness between both teams, it was almost a football, to be honest with you. That's how I felt watching it. The environment, the the play, it, it was everything was spot on. It hit on all cylinders. What do you think about that game in week three? So I, I thought week three in general, uh, the Battlehawks Haw- Battle and Defenders was a really solid, well-played game. I think in general, though, the XFL play you've seen over the course of these weeks has improved, and it's gotten better as the offensive line play and defensive line play have improved. You're starting to see teams kind of figure out what they can and can't do, and they're and you're seeing coaching going on and players being put in better positions than maybe they were in the first couple of weeks. I, I agree completely. Um, the The coaching during that game, it, it was just spot on. It, it was really, really good. And and hats off to to those coaches. They're they're doing their thing, and you could tell. And and for Anthony Beck, the the head coach of the Battlehawks, his first time ever being a head coach, he's done a, a a damn good job. And before the season started to to recruit those guys to come to his team to build them up, and then to do the to put the the coordinators in, in the position to to dictate what they have, what each side of the the ball has to do. He's done a damn good job for a first-year coach. Compared to some of the other coaches in the XFL, he's probably the best year one coach that I've seen in this league so far. Yeah, I think what you've seen with the XFL is that it proves how much coaching actually does matter. Sometimes I think we just think about, oh, players and just trying to get the most talented players and it's all about talent, talent, talent. 
getting high draft picks, getting guys who will play premium positions. When I think we're learning what the XFL is, it really matters that you can develop offensive linemen and defensive linemen. Coaching <laughs> solves so many problems. It can fix so many holes. And I think what we're seeing with the XFL is teams starting at the team starting basically from scratch and being built up over the course of the season. Absolutely. And the, um, the special teams is probably the biggest thing that they have to work on. Even though DC has a, a very good kicker, the the special teams, the the, the kickers themselves, it's, it's not the greatest. It hasn't. It wasn't the greatest in the USFL. Definitely not there. And they're not that great in the XFL. But these two teams, they have solid kickers. Um, DC probably has the best kicker out of all of them, out of all the teams in the league. Um, but yeah, that that'd be my only complaint regarding regarding any side of the ball. So the the special teams is my biggest complaint. But between those two teams, especially, but the play on the offensive defense is is damn good. It's it's very very good. The defense for for DC, they're fantastic. I I would say right now outside of out outside of Orlando and Arlington. For the most part, most of these teams have kind of figured some figured out things offensively. Now I know San Antonio struggled a little bit as we, uh, not to jump too ahead to week four, but San Antonio struggled. But I I think for the most part, these you've seen some good play out of offenses, even if it's been streaky. You've seen good good play out of offenses in the XFL. Yes, absolutely. Outside of outside of Orlando and Arlington, who have really they it seems like they're really struggling with their quarterbacks. Agreed, and that 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 dual threat quarterback that they had that DC has between Taamu and and King it is damn good. It's fantastic. It's, you talk about balance. That may be the most balanced dual threat QB I've seen in the XFL or in NFL in pro football period. You you don't ever see it work that well, and they have no ego. They want the best for each other, and they have tremendous respect for each other. That that just clicks, and well, all these other teams right now in the league are trying to figure out how to do that because you mentioned the Guardians. We, we'll get to them here in a second, but there's nobody competing with with DC when it comes to that right now. Well, and Derek King is a weapon. He was a guy who kind of bounced around from Houston. He went to Miami, uh, the University of Miami for college. He's a guy who kind of bounced around, but he is a he he's maybe not the greatest quarterback, but he's a really good offensive weapon who has enough ability as a quarterback to keep teams honest. And I, I do think he is a, what you're seeing from DC is that he is a, he's a weapon they can use in a variety of ways, especially as we start getting later in the season and they start taking advantage of some of the XFL rules, especially with the passes behind the line of scrimmage and being able to throw a second forward pass. What do you think about the, people are kind of down on Ta'amu for the first two weeks but I thought in week three, he did very good. He, he was launching that ball, I mean, exceptionally well, just throwing darts down the field. And the, the good thing is, it doesn't matter if you can throw the darts, the, the ball down the field, the receivers have to catch it. And the receivers have been stepping up on that team also to, to bring that ball in and to score. And I think that's a, that's a thing that goes overlooked is we always focus on the quarterback, but the wide receivers have to catch that ball. And they've done a, a very good job with the exception of, of the other night of dropping quite a few passes. They they did well in week three. Yeah, so I, I think what you're seeing with the XFL and, and DC with Tamu in particular is the development over the course of the season. 
where you have a couple games where maybe the offense is a little bit spotty and they're not as efficient as you want them to. But that's going to happen. A lot of these guys have not played together. Most, most of the guys have not played together. And what you're seeing is you, you're seeing how coaching actually works over the course of the season. In the NFL, sometimes a team is bad and sometimes, you're, oh, okay, they were good early in the season, they were bad late. What you're seeing is most teams starting from scratch and being built up. And with a quarterback like Jordan Tamu, you're seeing him getting better as the year goes on. Because why? Because his running game is getting better. His offensive line is getting better. Everything's coming together over the course of the season. And what you're seeing is how that makes the job easier for a quarterback and how it really lets them just be able to go out there and play and not have to focus on carrying the entire team. Yes, absolutely. Um, and and even in that game against the Battlehawks, McCarron threw a horrible pick six, but he was still able to bounce back, drive his team right back on the next on the next drive if I, on the next drive if I'm not mistaken, bring them within a touchdown. Then DC fumbles the ball at the goal line, and McCarron magic was about to happen again. They scored one more time, got the three point conversion. Went for it on fourth and fifteen. He didn't get it. There was a huge scuffle, but that that was my probably my favorite game of the week. To be honest with you, of, of week three. Yeah, week three. Week three. My favorite game of week three was uh, the Sea Dragons and the Vipers. I, oh. I think what you were seeing with the Sea Dragons is I think they are really really talented, but they are at the mercy of Benjanucci. Yes. And if Benjanucci does not play well, that team can be beaten any week. But when they but when Benjanucci is on. That team is really hard to beat. They have a lot of offensive talent. They really do. And Josh Gordon, the, the man deserves to be in the, in, in the NFL. Um, whether or not he goes back, I know there's been talks about some of the players even now, uh, as, as of the other day, talking about, I'm just having fun. You don't get this in the, in, the, uh, in the NFL. The XFL is different. They let you be who you are. And that's one of the things, that's one of the comments that Josh Gordon said is, I can be who I want to be. And I'm not judged. Maybe... He doesn't want to go back to the NFL. I mean, there are other players the other day saying, maybe I don't want to go. And the good thing about that is, I would say, that'll show consistency for this league. If you have good players like that and great players like Josh Gordon, who can still play ball at a high level, <laughs> wanting to stay in this league and, in a way, it legitimizes its, its future. Do you, do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I think with the XFL, the biggest thing for the XFL is to just be a different football league, whether they're associated with the NFL or not. I think success for the XFL is just being something different and being kind of a a league where you get to experiment with rules and try fun things. And I think there is a market for the XFL because the NFL is so – not that it, the NFL is most popular – sports league in the United States, but it's very formulaic. And what the XFL allows you to do is to experiment and try new things. And I think college football and the NFL are so similar now that you need something like the XFL is needed because you need to be able to try new things and innovate, which is why the XFL is so important is it, it's going to advance innovation. Absolutely. And, and speaking of that, I just saw on Twitter that let me get, get it to it in one second. Um, According to Tom uh, Pelissaro, an uh, NFL uh, insider, he said the Eagles 
have submitted a proposal to adopt the XFL-style onside kick substitute, permitting a team to maintain possession of the ball after a score by substituting one offensive play, one offensive play, fourth and twenty from the kicking kicking team twenty-yard line for an onside kick uh, kickoff attempt. That's huge. I that, that that we talked about that in the in the week one and two uh, review. That that rule that rule after seeing it has a has a high probability of of being implemented into the NFL, and if the Eagles are doing that, the runner up for the Super Bowl, I mean, I think that's huge news. The only thing I would say is the a lot of these rules, and it's just it's a minor nitpick. The kickoff from the NFL takes place at the at the thirty five, but if it's a touchback on kickoff, the ball goes to the twenty five. And that in this case, a you'd be having a fourth and fifteen from the twenty-five. I, I'd like to see it at the thirty-five. I know it gives the offense a little bit. In theory, the offense gets a first down at the fifty, but I think it would make the game more interesting because at that point, if you picked up a fourth and fifteen, you're around the fifty-yard line, which means even if there's eight, eight to ten seconds left in the game you have a chance to throw the ball and get in field goal range. I just think it makes it a little bit more exciting as opposed to being all the way backed up to the 25. Right. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Well, what do you think about the Eagles, though, doing that, saying we want, we want that in the league? And what happens if it actually does? Do you think we're going to see great teams get beat by, by fluky wins? Or are you going to see great teams pull out wins the way they should? So I think... If you have an elite quarterback, it favors your team. If this were to get adopted by the NFL, if you have an elite quarterback that's able to move around and extend plays, it favor it favors those teams. It's a it would be a way more exciting play than our current onside kick rule. I do think there is going to be some hesitation just because it's something new and it really hasn't been done before in the NFL and. The NFL is very hesitant to change things like this and make that traditional like that traditionalists kill are killing the NFL. Is all I'm saying. I, I I do think it would be I I would be intrigued to see how often teams pick it up. My guess is it wouldn't be as much as you think, but it, it's going to be way more because what the onside kick is like uh, you have what a two percent chance of recovering an onside kick. Correct. It's something extraordinarily low. I do think. You would see up around 20, 25% of these onside plays converted, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I think you would see games shifted based off of some of these things, it, more so than an onside kick. And I, I think it would, I think the ending of games would be so much more intense knowing yes. that a team can get a fourth and 15 and have possession of the ball late in the game, drive and to drive and score a touchdown to try to yes. win or kick a field goal. And it doesn't. People are going to say it's gimmicky. Well, again, I, I'm going back to what I said last, uh, the last podcast. A game is gimmicky no matter what. The NFL is gimmicky because you're playing with the ball. It's not real life. The only well, thing is, real life injuries can occur because you're playing with grown man bodies hitting each other. Well, on the onside kick, it basically, since they have taken all the physicality out of the onside kick, when, and rightfully so, because a lot of those plays were just straight on collisions. Right. But you don't really have a way to get the ball other than kicking the ball off somebody or just hoping somebody messes up and drops the ball. Having a play that gives a quarterback, like a Patrick Mahomes, a Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, 
Aaron Rodgers have, having one of giving one of these quarterbacks an extra chance to get a first down and possibly to win win the game, I think is more exciting. But I think there will be pushback because it's something new and it's just so radically different from what we have now. Right, right. Uh, I I can I can see that. Again, that's the bad thing about the the old school mentality. And I get called old school all the time. So what's that saying? But let's go to um, the Houston Roughnecks versus, I believe, the Orlando Guardians, if I'm not mistaken, from week three. Uh, the Brahmas, San Antonio Brahmas. Brahmas, I'm sorry, Brahmas. And, uh, oh, my God. It was a good game, but Houston is just, it knows how to dominate on both sides of the ball. And Brandon Silvers, he may be the MVP of this league so far. I'm not even saying Danucci. I'm not saying McCarron. Brandon Silver is launching that ball like no other quarterback in the league. And he, this is this is the best I've seen him. I saw him in 2020. I know he's played in other in other leagues. This is the best I've seen Brandon Silver's play. The confidence this guy is showing right now is through the roof. So the main takeaway I had from this game was that this is where. I think San Antonio is actually really well coached. I think Heinz Ward has shown that he's a pretty good coach. I just think the the lack of depth at quarterback, this is where it come, comes into play. Because I thought they played Houston pretty tight. They just didn't have a quarterback that was consistently capable of running an offense. And that's going to be part of the problem. That's going to be a big part of the problem in year one of the XFL. It's just the, the quarterback play is not going to be great. And until you actually can maybe get a little bit more talent into the XFL, the quarterback position, you're going to see games and you're going to see teams really struggle with certain things offensively. Well, I will say the completion percentage by these, by some of these quarterbacks in the league, especially Brendan Silvers, is pretty good. And well, a lot of and, these quarterbacks can do the college-style offense. It's the, the the quick passes, the bubble screens, RPOs. They can do that. It's the more advanced. I would say down the field, attack the middle of the field passing game. A lot of these guys struggle with, and you're seeing some guys pick it up and some guys really, really, really struggle with it. Absolutely. And, and that's one of the reasons why I'm, I was saving um, Arlington and Orlando for, for in week three for last, but I will say Brendan Silvers was doing a, 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 a phenomenal job in, in week three versus the Brahmas. He was just cutting them up. Not to say that the Brahmas didn't have a chance to win at the end of the game, but Houston's defense is just fantastic. And you do the same, and to, to Houston, Houston's credit, San Antonio went for the same play at the end of the game four times in a row. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You can't do that. Throw the ball. It, it, it just didn't work. And Jack Cohen, I think he's really good. He, cho- he shows tremendous poise in the pocket. He doesn't, he doesn't get flustered. Not from what I see in his face. Um, but he is smart to get rid of the ball. I just think, you know, he just couldn't close uh, close the deal to at least put his team in, in position of of coming close to winning or scoring. And Houston's just so dominant, like I said. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now going to Arlington and and Orlando, Orlando's horrible. They went from Drew Plitt to Kyle Sloter, and Sloter's better, but I, he probably hasn't gotten more reps with the team as, as Drew Plitt did, but. They barely won this game 10 to 9. <laughs> Somehow, Paxton Lynch with his Frankenstein ass walked a damn touchdown into the end zone. And it was, I think it was 93. Sloter came down, got a touchdown, got the extra point, that one extra point, got a 10 to 9. That's part of the problem with. What you're seeing with some of the quarterback play in the XFL is that Paxton Lynch and DeAndre Francois for Orlando, they really have struggled and they really there hasn't been a lot of advancement in that offense. It seems like they're not really sure what they what they can and can't do. And then with Arlington, I just think it I think Bob Stoops is a good offensive coach. He showed that in college when he was at Oklahoma. I just think they don't have they don't really trust the quarterbacks to do a ton. So they ask very little of them, and sometimes that leads to low-scoring offensive games. You know, I don't really see that much excitement from Bob Stoops. And this kind of happened in 2020. He had the same kind of demeanor, you know, and I don't know if it's because he's getting he's getting older or what, but the quarterback play was almost the same also. So I'm not sure what he's seeing in these guys, and I know that some of these guys he's known, and he gives these guys a chance and whatever else, but I think that's unfair to him and his team. He's not putting his team in the best position to win. Just because they, you know them or you, you're associated with them doesn't mean that they're the guys for you. I think as, as maybe the season progresses, that Sloter may may get better and turn the team around, but that's still 50-50. Opposed to if you had Drew Plitt, the, it would be 80-20 against you, to be honest with you. That's just how I feel and how, what I saw. Um, but, Yeah. I I think what you're I think this game was the perfect example of so if if you're gonna if you're gonna watch the XFL the Battle Hawks and Defenders was a really fun game the atmosphere was a lot of fun this game with Orlando and Arlington this was the type of game where if you're gonna if you don't like the XFL this is this is why it's a lot of quick safe throws offensively. Quarterbacks are very limited in what they do, and the offenses aren't very fun to watch. But I think a lot of that is a result of limitations at the quarterback position. That you can, there's always so many things you can do running the ball. You, these teams at times look like they're playing without a quarterback because they are playing without a quarterback. They don't really trust a quarterback to make simple throws. So it's a lot of running the ball, and it's a lot of safe, safe throws. And I, I think it'll get better as the season goes on, but this first half of the season has been rough for them. Right. And and you did say um, 
week for week one and week two, that as the season progresses, you're going to see the offensive lines get better as the chemistry gets better. They get more reps. Um, like we discussed, some of these guys hadn't even had played touch touch the football in years. Well, and you got to think a lot of these guys were not just backups in the NFL, but practice squad guys. They weren't really getting a ton of reps. It, it's going to take four or five games for them to really start kind of feeling comfortable within an offense. And at times, because of XFL roster limitations and stuff like that, you, you're trying to showcase two guys and you're not really able to stick with the guy. That, that's going to be a problem because you're trying to get two guys reps and you're not really committed to one guy. I think as we keep going to the season, you're going to see teams start committing to one guy. Right. I agree. Okay, let's move to week four. Um, let me just uh, break this down real quick for the teams. Um, Houston versus Orlando. My God. And let's just get Paxton Lynch out the way. The man is horrible. What is he doing on my fo- on my television screen? It's a boring game when he's in there. He has, shows no excitement. The dude is just not good. I don't know what Terrell Buckley thought, believed what he thought Paxton Lynch could be. Oh, let's let's see, let's see. Races has passed. That means nothing. You're here now. Sometimes you got to take that shit into consideration. And when it's right in front of you, you got to be the coach and sit the fucking guy down. That's one of the things you're complaining about in the game. If he doesn't do anything now, I'm going to put Francois on. Well, Francois took you down and got three. When Paxton Lynch didn't take you down there to get nothing. And well, then pa- Paxton and then Paxton Lynch comes in and scores two touchdowns. Two nice balls, but if you're not doing it consistently, what the hell's the point of you being in there? Well, he Paxton Lynch threw for uh, 267 yards. Two his two touchdowns were 112 yards. It just with Paxton Lynch, he's very he's just he's limited. And DeAndre Francois, even in college, he wasn't the he wasn't the most consistent quarterback throwing the ball. But I think what I would like to see some of these teams do is adjust to the talent they have. And just start mm-hmm. running the option or trying to run different variations of offense as opposed to just traditional spread offenses. I think that's probably the next thing some of these coaches in the XFL need to do is if you don't have a consistent quarterback, get your best athlete and put him in there at quarterback and try to run some option option type plays. Because we've seen in college, Navy, Navy and Army give teams trouble with that option type football. It's not the most aesthetically pleasing thing to see. But I think it would give their team a better chance to win and really kind of develop their ball carriers and offensive lines. Right. Well, but I mean, o- o- overall, I just I think you kind of Paxton Lynch is just kind of he just is what he is. He's he's a he's a quarterback that is he looks the part, but he doesn't play the part. He does, and he he walks like he's Frankenstein, the like a robot. Um, I hope that. Heading into week five or week six, we get Flowers in, who was more mobile. He was in um, XFL 2.0, and he did well, in my opinion. He played well, and he to me, he looked like he had a higher upside um, than who they had ahead of him. But this is not the answer. And if Terrell Buckley does not change this court, the, the, the quarterback, they, they might just go 0-10, to be honest with you, because this team is bad. But with the exception, I think that their defense has potential. Um, I like their defensive coordinator. I like their 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 defensive players. But the offense is just horrendous. And if you've seen during the game, you had Terrell Buckley 
he had some words, even for his offensive coordinator. What are you doing? Yeah, I just I, – I think if you look at Orlando, their biggest problem is that they – it's kind of clear that the team doesn't believe in any of the quarterbacks they have on the roster, and it's kind of seeping into that team where they just – offensively, they, they just look – they look almost – Depressed. I don't know if depressed is the right word, but like they, they know every time they step on the field offensively, if it's a if it's a somewhat close game, they can't move the ball. And the only times they're really able to move the ball is when it's late in the game and defenses are playing soft. Right. Let's see. Um what's crazy is in the Houston versus Orlando, Houston scored 44 points. They had 50 plays. Orlando had 59 plays. They had 300, and Orlando had 349 uh, total yards versus Houston, who had 381. And they still got demolished. I, uh, I, think, what you, I think what you saw is, is a team that has a coach in they really kind of believe in what they're doing. They believe in the system they have offensively and defensively. And in Orlando, they just, they look like they lack confidence. Do, do you think it's, I mean, I got to ask a question. Do you think it's, it's Buckley? I mean, it, it's possible. I, I just think that team, whenever they see their quarterbacks, it just, it's one of those things when, and it happens in the NFL too. When you know, when you see a certain quarterback run on the field, you know, you're not scoring unless something crazy happens or, you're able to run the ball consistently down the field. Right. Well, let's talk about um, Houston. Brandon Silvers, 24 for 30, 239 yards, three touchdowns. His long was uh, 59 yards. Sacked twice. They they also have like a dual or triple threat um, at quarterbacks with, with Cole McDonald and John Trey Kirkland. Um, I mean, it's this team – they may be unbeatable heading forward because Brandon Silvers, like I said, the man is just ridiculously good. Houston has the most accomplished NFL coach of any of these coaches. Wade Phillips is a legit Hall of Fame caliber defensive coordinator, and you're seeing how great of a coach he actually is. Maybe in the NFL he wasn't the greatest head coach and he had his flaws, but you, you put him in a league like the XFL, it, he's, just, he's so much better than all of these other guys. And it's apparent from the minute you see Houston step on the field. And do you, you know, Wade Phillips made some comments saying that he he didn't get hired because he's too old. Um, these players are not supposed to be the greatest players, but I will say, out of all the coaches, probably with the exception of DC and then St. Louis, Wade Phillips did the best drafting of players, in my opinion. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I, I, his team is really, really – they have – it feels like they have more bounce. Maybe they don't have star players that you would have thought, oh, big names coming in from – they've played in the NFL and that you've heard of. But if you look at kind of the bounce and just Brandon Silver's passing chart, they have a, they have a pretty balanced team. And that matters in over the course of a season when you're dealing with guys who may or may not have played a lot and guys wearing down over the year. 
they're just going to kind of wear down or they're going to wear teams down because they they have a balanced team. Right. And Brandon Silvers is number two in in yards thus far in the league. 962 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, I'm sorry, four, four games played. I'm sorry. Um, ten touchdowns. But he also has, you know, he's iffy with the ball. Once in a while, it doesn't hurt him. But he, he has thrown uh, three interceptions this year. But he's just been dotting it, dotting it up down the field. So, I mean, even, I know people like Ben DiNucci and A.J. McCarron, but I'm still giving my best quarterback thus far through, uh, through week four is, is Brandon Silver's. I think it's a fair assessment. Let's go to um, the second game, and that's San Antonio Brahmas versus Seattle Sea Dragons. Ben DiNucci. He leads the league in passing with over 1,000 yards, the first quarterback to get over 1,000 yards, um, with 1,119 yards. He's got eight touchdowns, but he's got four interceptions. He's a turnover machine at the worst times of each game, Jess. I mean, what what the hell, man? You did it against DC. You did it against um, Las Vegas. You did it against San Antonio. I mean, um, San Antonio. I mean, right when the game was over, you were celebrating. You threw a, an ugly pick. At the end of the game, then you had Jim Hazard at the end of the game when he's getting interviewed. He went to go speak to to Danucci, and they're like, "What'd you tell him?" I just told him something. Then they had, they had him on recording. He said, "I'm gonna kill you," because Ben Danucci puts his team in a horrible situation down down the stretch of the game. Not, is... not good. He he can play. He can really play, and he can throw that ball. But you are a detriment to your team. At the, I mean, that's just you. You're lucky that you're you're two and two right now. To me, Ben DiNucci is one of those quarterbacks that he is the he is the quarterback you need to rein in. Seattle likes throwing the ball. That's what they do. They're gonna they're gonna throw the ball forty times a game. Ben DiNucci is not the quarterback you want throwing the ball forty times a game. You want him throwing the ball like twenty five times a game, maybe thirty. Right. And what you're seeing is that he's gonna he's gonna have some really good games where he oh man he's looking really efficient and he's and he's getting the ball out. And it looks good, and then he's gonna have games where it's just it looks sloppy, and he's just he's playing almost at a, at a frenetic pace. To me, he kind of reminds me of a basketball player. He's like a point guard that doesn't really know how to control tempo, and he shoots a lot. He's Russell and, Westbrook. And, and, yeah, and sometimes Russ Russ is giving you 20, 15, and twelve, and then sometimes he'll give you nine points, six rebounds, and two assists, and eight turnovers. And that's what Ben DiNucci is. Yes. This is yeah. He just pisses me off because his his upside is I think pretty is really high. But he can move he, around a little bit and he can he can move around a little bit. He's got a pretty good arm. I just think you're seeing kind of why he's maybe not in the NFL because he's just you can't really trust him. you can't really trust him to throw 25 times. Well, can it, you trust him more than Dak Prescott? I mean, Dak Dak was bad this year, but I Dak has shown that he is a top-level quarterback. When yeah, but up. you can only go off of this year because that's how he was. I think what you're seeing with Ben DiNucci is that if you give Ben if you give Ben DiNucci a running game and you limit the amount he can kind of fuck up, that's probably your best route to go. And I think if you have a coach that's willing to do that, he can be a good quarterback. 
The problem is when he's throwing the ball 40 times and he's trying to he's trying to play like a quarterback, he's not he he, he isn't. Ben DiNucci sometimes Ben, ben DiNucci needs to be more Cooper Rush, who played when Daff was out and just kind of caretake a little bit. You're gonna caretake the ball and occasionally you'll take some shots deep and you'll maybe run around try to make a couple plays. But you don't want him being the reason you win or lose a game. You want him to just be a, a part of the team. Right. And he can play. I mean, you and, the- and I would say to sum it up in Seattle, he is having to throw the ball a lot, and that's not what he's that's not the best use of Ben DiNucci. Right. Okay. Well, people call him the Mahomes of the XFL. What do you think about that assessment? I mean, I would We're both Chiefs fans, and I know it's I know it's it's blasphemous. Ben Nucci, he can run around and he tries to make a lot of plays, but Mahomes is not ever that frantic. Uh, he's rarely out of he's rarely out of control. Exactly. And ben Nucci, it's fifty fifty with him. Fifty percent of the time he's in control, fifty percent of the time he's out of control. Um, he's he's good, and he like I said, he throws the ball. We know the stats. I just said him. Um, the Sea Dragons are two and two right now. If he didn't have mistakes like he has, his receivers would probably have a lot more a lot more yards, and that's saying a lot because three of the top seven receivers in the league are Seattle Sea Dragon players, and that's how they want to play. They want to throw the ball a lot and they want to whip it around. But you're also doing it with Ben DiNucci. You also have to realize if you keep doing that with Ben DiNucci, he's going to turn the ball over and he's going to he'll have some big plays and then he's going to have some bad plays. The, the top two receivers in the league for the XFL. He kind of reminds me of XFL Josh Allen, if you really think about it. In terms of <laughs> he, he can make some really, really big-time throws. and big Oh, you wanted plays. to get that in there, didn't you? Kind of turn well, the mind. Again, he'll, have, he'll just have some stupid turnovers where he you're not really sure what he's doing with the ball. Right. Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo taking release. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's G-O-L-O.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who have found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. Well, I mean, and... Number three, one of my favorite, probably my favorite, one of my favorite, he's top five uh, player, five player in the leagues. Uh, this this um, iteration is Jacor Pearson. He's got 31 receptions for 348 yards, one touchdown. He leads the league in receptions. Excuse me. Number two, you got Blake Jackson, wide receiver for Seattle City Dragons, 180 yards. Damn, damn good. Number seven, Josh Gordon, 282 yards, uh, three touchdowns, really, really good.
Yeah, Seattle has a ton of offensive talent, and they they have the guys to have a successful offense. I just think they need to rein Danucci in more because with Danucci, you're gonna you're just gonna get you're gonna get erratic play. That's just gonna happen if you're gonna have him throw the ball forty times. Right. <clears throat> okay, let's go to who's next. Uh, let's do the Sunday night's game. Vi- uh, Vegas Vipers versus DC Defenders. And DC killed Vegas, who is 0 and 4, who is 0 and 4 now. They were 0 and 3 heading in. Um, 32 to 18. They another another rookie coach, just like T. Buckley. I mean, Rod uh, Ron Woodson is not doing great, or his team's not doing great. Maybe experience comes with comes with drafting. You know, it's your growing pains. You got to go through it, which I understand. Um, but I hope these two coaches stay in this league. I know we didn't talk about Heinz Ward, but we he's he doesn't deserve to be. One and three right now. That's my opinion. Um, I think you could agree with that. <laughs> but out of out of the bottom three rookie coaches, not in, you know, Heinz Ward's the best one out of all of them. He did the best job out of those three, um, Rod Woodson and and Terrell Buckley of of drafting his players. It's just, but you got to remember and put in perspective um, when they're going against Seattle and the other teams, the Brahmas, their offensive line has gotten obliterated. The past three games, <laughs> but moving to <clears throat> Vegas and versus DC. Oh my God, I don't know. They need they need help, and I don't know why Brent Huntley was taken out. They may have said it, but I didn't hear it. But DC again, they're four and zero for a reason. Yeah, I just think this game came down to DC at this point kind of knows their roster better and they're coaching to the what they're they're coaching to the abilities of their roster and they know what they can and can't do. And Vegas is still trying to figure out what they can and can't do. Uh Vegas in this game, they had 20 carries for 71 yards. They threw the ball and their quarterbacks combined 27 to 37 for 323, two touchdowns and an interception. They might just need to be a team that throws the ball a lot. When you give twenty, when you have twenty carries and you only have seventy-one yards, it's not it's not efficient, especially in the XFL when you have a running clock and with incompletions and just running the ball twenty times. You need to be able to kind of develop your game plan around the talent you have, and I'd like to see them kind of just let it rip and throw the ball. They 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 may need to be one of these teams that throws it forty or fifty times. You, you look at what they had. They had Jeff Bidet, seven catches, 80 yards. Sweeting, three catches, 65 yards, and two touchdowns. Martavis Bryant had three for 43. They had production from their receivers. They just, you got to let it rip. And, and if you think about it, 20, 20 carries for 71 yards isn't going to be good enough to win a game like this. The Vipers really have to work on either improving the running game or they need to throw the ball more. You can't have 20, 20 carries for 71 yards. That's just not a way to win a game. You just you can't have that. You can't have 20 plays basically wasted like that. No, not, not at all. And you, on the flip side of that, you, you look at it and you see D.C., they have three 
of their players in the top five for uh, for rushing in the league. You got Abram Smith um, with 214 yards. You got Jordan Ta'amu, quarterback, 185 yards rushing. You got uh, Raquel Armstead, 156 yards rushing. Their 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 DC so balanced, it's going to be hard to stop them. <clears throat> At this point, you're seeing DC who. They know their personnel, and they know what they can and can't do, and they, they're starting to figure out what they can and can't do. And the Vipers are still trying to figure out what they can and can't do. And it's a it, – it, this season is going to be a process of coaches adjusting their talent and figuring out ways to get around limitations. And then in the case of D.C., where it's just you're taking your talent and you're maximizing it. Right. And I'll say this, too. I'm not sure what happened to Brent Hundley again, but Luis Perez gets a, is getting a bad rap for this season. For some reason, it's probably because he's throwing picks. He, he doesn't do that. Um, he's usually a really good quarterback who doesn't get flushed at all, and I'm not sure. I mean, maybe it's a new offensive coordinator. He's got to click with them. Um, but he can launch that ball. He can deliver the ball. It's just... I mean, the other night he threw a bad pick, too. It, I'm a huge fan of him. Um, I like Brent Hudley. I'm, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. But th- there's a reason why Vegas is 0-4. And DC's 4-0. That's just... That's just how it is. You got I, anything would say, else? I would say the biggest thing... For, the, the thing you should take away from this game is that you have a team that has an identity in D.C. and they know who they are, and Vegas is still searching for it. I don't think Vegas has just been – I don't think they've been as bad as Orlando, but it, you, you're seeing a team work through some of its growing pains. You talk about Vipers. I think the Vegas Vipers are snake-bitten, to be honest with you. Because <laughs> they've had chances to win. But there's no doubt they are better than Orlando. If, yeah, if, if, if it's fair to say, Vegas is a good 0-4. Orlando is a horrible 0-4. Is that fair? I would say that. The, I don't think the Vipers have quit. They, they've they tried playing in these games, and they've, they've played hard. I think Orlando's a team that kind of feels like they're one bad loss away from quitting. Well, I mean, and, and the two the – two the, the biggest factor in, in regarding both these teams – that's that's that that just kills them. Are the penalties? The I think the Guardians had like fifteen the other day, and I don't know how many Vegas had Sunday night, but they had a they were they were accumulating quite a, quite a bit as well, and you could see Rod Wilson's frustration. He took his headset off so they wouldn't hear him cussing, and you could see his mouth just. What eleven the penalties fuck? for ninety four yards? I'm sorry. 11 penalties for 94 yards for the Vipers. Jesus. Yeah, that that's bad. That's almost, yeah, and see, I know when I, I seen a cutoff the other day, um, from when I stopped paying attention to Orlando, they had already had uh, um, enough penalties or, for for over 100 yards, if I'm not mistaken. Or, or Orlando had 13 for 102. You can't win like that. You can't be that undisciplined. That's six to nine points they just gave up. That just it's you 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 can't do that and and that I would say that encapsulates why Orlando's been so bad. 
absolutely besides Paxton Lynch, but yeah. Well, yeah, that's a given though. That's the main reason they're bad. Paxton Lynch is not good. <clears throat> but let's go to um the biggest game of the week in week four. St. Louis Battlehawks finally come back to St. Louis to a crowd of almost 40,000. It was 38,000 plus in the dome. The crowd looked fantastic. They went against Arlington, uh, Bob Stutz Renegades. <laughs> the, and they kind of, it was kind of disappointing to be honest with you, in my opinion. You can't, have, they, your quarter, you can't have your quarterback throw three picks. Kyle, Kyle Slaughter, three picks in this game. You can't, you can't have your quarterback throw three picks. Right. And I was not pleased with AJ McCarron, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I, you do, obviously you don't want the picks. I thought he played. I thought he was. I thought he looked okay. He, it looked like AJ McCarron was kind of fighting himself a little bit. But I thought he, I thought he played okay. I just think when you look at the difference between him and a Kyle Sloter, that's that basically is the entire difference between those two teams. Is one of the quarterbacks, while maybe you're a little bit wishy-washy on and you're not really sure if you played well or not and then you look on the other side and Kyle Slaughter it's just it's not it's night and day it's right it's a quarterback that's played in the NFL and yeah he, maybe not the greatest but he's not gonna lose you the game as opposed to Kyle Slaughter who throws who threw three picks he lost you the game right absolutely and that you know I, I saw AJ complaining saying well why aren't we being more aggressive we just got a turnover why can't we be aggressive with the ball? That's how you capitalize on, on on the momentum. So the play calling wasn't going where AJ wanted it either, to be fair. He had two touchdowns, two, uh, 214 yards, uh, 20 for 27. He didn't get sacked, which is good. And let me see, where's he at? Um... Hakeem Butler is still he, he's still probably one of the best receivers in the league. Um, he's really he's really really good. They have a good team. Out of, like I said, out of all the the four rookie uh, um, head coaches, he's the best one this league has. Yeah, with- and I I thought this game. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. And I thought this game, you saw the difference in just quality of quarterback and how how just how the difference in quarterback play basically can dictate what a team can and can't do. Arlington does not trust their quarterback. They kept trying to throw the ball because they're trying to, they're trying to develop some type of a momentum and positivity on offense. It just didn't work. They had turnovers. And then St. Louis, well, AJ McCarron didn't have his best game. He was, he was still solid and they could, they could function as an offense without having to worry of, about bad turnovers and just inefficient play. Right. And and again, like I said, the same look on Bob Stoops' face is just I just don't see excitement though. I'm a huge fan again, but I don't know. I honestly don't know if that's if that's how he if that's how he coaches now, like I said, but there's something different there. Um and it just could be he's he knows he's making a mistake by doing it again by picking the same kind of quarterback or somebody he knows to lead his team when it's not working out. Well, and their passing game, Arlington's passing game showed that they averaged five point three yards in the attempt. You can't you can't do that. That's a college offense. That is just that snap, get the ball, throw. 
that you you have to you have to run a little bit more than that in the XFL. I know I know we talk about how good is the XFL compared to maybe college or something like that, but the way the XFL is set up, you need some type of pro style offense and you need to be able to push the ball downfield just a little bit. And Arlington can't do that. That's why they're two and two. Right. What no, um what did you think about the crowd itself? What did you think about the dome, the, the optics of it? I think it shows that St. Louis is ready and willing to support an NFL team. I think they kind of got a raw deal with how the Rams left St. Louis. Bronky. And, and I don't even think, I know there was issues about, oh, where's the stadium going to go, funding and whatnot. It was pretty obvious the entire time Crocky wanted to move the Rams to LA and he got he he got what he wanted. I'm sorry about that, Jess. Oh, he, he got what he basically to finish it out. He got what he wanted. And I, I think St. Louis St. Louis, if they were to get another team, I think they would I think they would support it and it would they I think St. Louis is a good market and they can handle a professional team. And I think the Battle Hawks are, have shown that they're one supported team. The Rams were so bad. Yes. Those last 10 years in St. Louis, they were so bad where they it just, it was the most uninspiring football you've ever seen. But at the same time, people also said it was a conspiracy that he, he tried to destroy that franchise. So he had any excuse to leave. Well, Jeff Fisher went seven to nine, like four years in a row. It just, it was a complete mess. Right. Well, here's Anthony Beck. Um, son, uh, Sunday. Um, and his reaction to the crowd. I'm going to play it real quick. Here he is. Coach Beck, you played in this very venue back in 2008 when you were with the Rams. How does today's atmosphere compare? There were some holes in the stands back in 2008. We weren't very good, to be quite honest with you. This is electric. Uh, St. Louis has been dying for a football team. We brought it back here. I'm excited that they get to see a really good product as well. These guys are hyped up to be here, and uh, it's a special place. When I first got this job, I wanted to make sure, like, I prayed I get this this team, and I'm glad I am, and I'm just trying to lead by example and help these guys. But this is electric. It's awesome to be here. It truly is. Best of luck today. Thanks, Coach Beck. Excellent. Excellent synopsis of, of what it's supposed to feel like, what it's supposed to be. Um, and I'm glad he's the head coach of, of that team. He wanted that team. He wanted to be there, unlike um, – Cronky and, and the Rams, and I, I, I'm just happy that St. Louis came out, and I hope they they keep coming out and show their support. They have another game this week. I, I'm just really glad that it showed the league and showed the haters that people want to see this product, even though it can be up and down sometimes. Um, but people want to see this, and they're hungry for football, like you mentioned. And he just made that comment right there, saying. We weren't that good in 2008. Well, that's to your point. And and sorry about that. And, um, you know, it, it was just good to see that crowd packed. And uh, like you said, come back next week. We still got a whole bunch of uh, seats up at the top top. If you want to come, come show us your love. They're going to try to win no matter what. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I think what we've seen is that there are worse markets than St. Louis in the NFL. And that if the time came for St. Louis to get another team, I think they would fully support it. And I think, I think they are willing to support a good product. The St. Louis Rams, before they moved to Los Angeles, it was bad. They, that, those teams were routinely bad. 
and just the best antithesis of it, or the best, maybe antithesis is not the word, the best representation of it was Jeff Fisher and him just going 7-9 every year with an injured Sam Bradford. Right. Uh, don't even get me started on Sam, um, Sam Bradford. The, he had the greatest agent in, in, in sports history. Um, are there any other team, anything that you want to say about any specific team um, about the past two weeks or, or coaches or anything like that? I just think what we've seen with the XFL is that I think the play is going to continue to improve as these players get more reps. It was always going to be the first half of the season was always going to be rough because you're, you're sending these players in cold and they don't have a lot of time to work with this coach, work with their coaching staffs and really figure out what players can and can't do and what coaches, what coaches are struggling with. And because a lot of these guys are new coaches and they're, they're, they're doing new roles and it was always going to be a learning process for these coaches and these teams. And I think what we're seeing is that for the most part, the play is getting better and the, the teams are figuring out what they can and can't do, which is important because you, you coaching is so important. And I think what we've seen with a team like Houston and what we've seen with a team like DC is that when you get good coaches and they have a good plan developed around the talent they have, the football is really good. No matter who is playing, whether it's undrafted guys, guys who are veterans, guys who are straight out of college and didn't get looks in the NFL. If you have good coaches and you have the ability to develop and game plan around your talent, the football is always going to be good. Right. Well, and that just goes to, let's break it down real quick. The good, you got the two dominators. Dominators, and they are the key denominators in every facet of the game on in each of their their um, divisions. You got Houston, 4-0. DC, 4-0. That's the good. The bad, Ben DiNucci and his turnovers, and that goes along with, you know, AJ, AJ's, AJ's um, ability to turn the, turn the ball over, too. And then the fucking ugly, you got Vegas and Orlando. Just, and just th- th- those have been the two weak points. Those have been the two weak points in the XFL. Right. And and I, I don't with Vegas, you can see that they're close, but they haven't fully broke through yet. With Orlando, they just look like a team that looks like they're one bad loss away from just quitting. They're the and, Lions or the Rams if they had a baby. And you can just you you've seen this if you've ever watched the NFL. You know the look a team has when they know their quarterback can't do anything. Yeah, it's just it's just helpless. It's a now, look of helplessness that the Lions, the Browns, and some of those teams who have been consistently bad in the NFL. If you watch them late in the season, they always have it, and that's what Orlando kind of looks like right now. And the crowds are still going to the games. That's what I'm shocked about. There's yeah, still crowds going, going to their games. They're going and... out there to watch Paxton Lynch. Huh? They're going out there to watch Paxton Lynch. Shit, they, they must be fucking drunk for sure then. Um, but, I mean, I, I give them credit because they're spending their hard-earned money to go see these two horrible teams, more so I'm talking about Orlando, but, I mean, Vegas, who knows? They could run the table and go 6-4. and four. You never know. Um, they've been competitive. They, they've been in most of their games. Right, and that, that's what I'm saying. That's going to your point. Yeah, Vegas is a team that if they could just fix a few things and just improve 5-10% over the last half of the season, 
they're a team that could be competitive and win some games and surprise people. Okay, um, let's make our predictions for week five. Um, before we go too long, we got Houston at Seattle. Houston's 4-0, Seattle's 2-2. Two and two. Um, Where are you leaning? Give me Ben DiNucci in an upset. Ben DiNucci is going to go. You're kidding me. I think we saw a bad Ben DiNucci. We're going to see good Ben DiNucci. Is this a joke? No, this is 100% true. We're going to see we're going to see good Ben DiNucci and he's going to he's going to lead an upset over uh the Houston Roughnecks. Oh my god. I I mean, I don't even know what the spread is for that game. What is it? Let me see if it's on here. I don't see it on here yet. Can you do you see it at all? It is not uh right now odds by Caesar Sportbook on the ESPN app, Houston's favored by 3. Which is not shocking Houston being undefeated. And Ben DiNucci being so erratic, and you're not really able to guess what he can do from play to play. Right. But I, I like Seattle. I think they have a lot of talent. Ben DiNucci has a good game. I think they can win this game. I'm, I want Seattle to win, but Houston's too too powerful. The only thing that can kill them is if Brandon Silvers throws more than one pick. If he throws one pick like he had the other day, you know, that kind of makes him nervous. But if he throws more than one pick, they, they'll lose that game. I'm I'm interested to see what happens if this game becomes a shootout and how Houston responds if this game gets to be a shootout. Because with the talent Seattle has, this could very easily be a game that gets in the 30s. Right. Well, I mean, what's the over-under on that game? Does it say? The over-under is right now 41 and a half. I think I take the over for that game. I'm I'm taking the over for that game. I, I'm, I'm saying it's going to hit over 50. And that to me wouldn't be shocking if Ben DiNucci is good. It's gonna it's gonna be a tight game late. Now, uh, no, and uh, that's saying that the offenses are gonna do great, but the defense on both side on both teams are actually pretty damn good. I mean, obviously Houston's phenomenal, but Seattle's isn't bad either. And real quick, I forgot to mention Ellison from from Seattle. He's really really good, Jess. Yeah, he, he's giving them a boost. He, I mean, that he made Morgan Ellison makes makes their uh, Seattle's team complete. It makes it more balanced. H- how do you come in the game late and into the season late, and you're leading the league in rushing? You're actually really, really good. You're a fucking freight train, dude. Um, so I mean, yeah, they got they got that Houston. You got um, and, and Borgie comes back this week. That yeah, this could be a, a, an extremely high scoring game. And that, that game is, I think, um, 9.30 Central Time. So, yeah, this should this should be interesting. I, I'm really excited to see that game. And that's on Thursday night. Um, you guys are going to watch it on ESPN. That should be a very exciting game. And I'm going to go with Houston. You're going with Seattle. Next game is D.C. Defenders versus Seattle Seahawks. I mean, um, St. Louis Battlehawks. I'm sorry, guys. Um, D.C. Defenders versus St. Louis Battlehawks in St. Louis Saturday. Um, who are you taking? I'm gonna go with the Battlehawks in this game. I think they, I think they get the revenge and win this game. I disagree. I'm going DC. I'm saying DC because they're a lot more balanced, a lot more aggressive, and Taamu already beat him once. He beat his old team once from 2020. He's gonna do it again at the, at the place he built. So I'm going Jordan Taamu, DC uh, DC defenders. Um, what's the over under for that game? Over under is 41 and a half. 
line Damn. is DC minus two. So they're favored. Okay. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going DC. I think that also should be a, a tight. That should be a tight game that's fun and entertaining. Yes, and who knows after, um, not last week but the week before his game, um, between those two, which was just electric. Who's to say that St. Louis can't sell out that whole dome just because? And it's a Saturday, and it's at six, so people got time to party afterwards. I mean, I could see this being this game being sold out, and I'm hoping it is. This game just might be the game of the week. We got a lot of good games coming up. Until the no, next. No, we have a game. shitty game next. No, we have we have the shitty game next. <laughs> Until the next game, yes. So next is the battle of the defeated. The battle of, of the defeated, defeated boy. Oh my god. Shittier versus shit. Orlando well, Guardians. Be, you're gonna be surprised by the line in this game. Orlando Guardians versus Vegas Vipers. If if Orlando Orlando Guardians start flower um they start flowers at quarterback or Francois, they have a fighting chance. If they elect to keep Paxton Lynch, whereas um special guest window likes to say Pack and Dix in the lineup, they're going to lose that game by a shit ton. So yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Vegas. I'm going to take Vegas as well. I don't think you can trust Orlando. If this is a lower scoring game, maybe Orlando's able to make a play or two and win. If this is a game where any type of points are scored, I can't see Orlando winning this game. What What would you say the over under was? Well, the over under is 42. Vegas is favored by seven. What? Yeah. What? That's that was talking to me too. That's I, higher I than DC. Like, I feel like nailing the under in this game. That's higher than DC. It's higher than both of the. First it's higher than both of those games, and those are those two games are premier games. By far the biggest line at seven at at Vegas at minus seven and a half. Oh my god. Okay. Um, and real quick, do you think that Hunley comes back in, or they're going to start um, Perez? I think they'll roll, roll with Luis Perez. Okay. Um, I think so, too. And hopefully he does well. I, I really like him. <laughs> and what do you think? Are they going to start Paxton Lynch or no? I mean, he threw two long touchdowns. My guess is they'll give him the first quarter or two in this game. Don't and then, say that. Uh, you're going to have to watch Paxton Lynch again. Oh, my God. Okay. Final game of the week, Sunday night. <laughs> you got Arlington Renegades versus San Antonio Brahmas. This is tough. This is a pickup for me. Because if if Cohen's not on it and he's just mediocre, it's going to be a low-scoring game. Because that seems to be the where Arlington's defense puts these teams in, for the most part, is we're going to have a low-scoring game and you're going to you know, grind it out with this, and we're going to just battle to the end and see who, who gets the, the upper hand at the end of the game. Th this is a, a toss-up to me. This has to be uh, over-under of at least 28 or 31. Well, the over-under in this game is 35 and a half. San Antonio is favored by two points. Min they're minus two. Who are you taking? I'm going to take Arlington in this game. I think I trust Stoop. Bob Stoops a little bit more than Heinz Ward. I think they'll be able to figure out how to get the 17 points, and that'll be enough. I think you're right, but because they're home, I'm going to go with, with San Antonio. 
And if they don't win, oh, I don't know what the hell those fans are going to do. This game is coming down to one of two things. It's going to be the team that has a better quarterback is going to win the game, or if both quarterbacks stink, it's going to be which team turns the ball over more or makes mm-hmm. more mistakes. Yeah, that's absolutely. It's, I mean, sometimes sometimes football can be complex. This is very easy. It's this game is going to be decided by quarterback play, and if both quarterbacks stink, it's going to be which team makes more mistakes. Well, I mean, and, and I think he just said it too. The defense on on both these teams is really really good. Yeah, I, I think I think this is a this is one of the more balanced matchups this week. I I think three of the four matchups this week are really really solid matchups that have a chance to be entertaining games. The Orlando in the Orlando and Vegas game though. Oh man, that game that game can that game could be a snooze fest. Oh my god, I know. I'm so nervous just for that reason because I want people to see the games, but I don't want them to be not entertained. I, I feel like three of the four games, you're going to get good, competitive, fun games. And then the fourth game, you're just hoping with Vegas and Orlando that they just let everything go and they're just throwing the ball down the field. And if this game is bad, hopefully there's a lot of turnovers and it's fun and entertaining. So I can ask for from those two teams. Right. Well, and you figure, I mean, let me see. The... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So the six and seven player for interceptions in the league, um, you got number six, Luke Barco, with one interception for San Antonio, and Devontae Bosby with one interception um, for Arlington. And <clears throat> number three for Arlington is he's caused the most fumble. He's caused two fumbles. Excuse me. So far is uh, Lawan Winningham, and San Antonio is nowhere near the top fifteen. So that's just kind of shocking. But the top two players for for tackles on defense in the league, one is Donald Payne with 15 and with with 31, I'm sorry, with 31 tackles and Jordan Williams for San Antonio with 29. So you got the two best defensive players going against each other in that game. This is going to be. A fight, and you're right. I don't, I don't, I'm I'm not seeing good quarterback play coming out of this game, unless it's going to be from from Jack Cohen. Yeah, I think this game could be so bad that it's it's at least somewhat entertaining if they're going to let both these quarterbacks rip the ball and they there's a bunch of turnovers. But other than that, it it seems like it's going to be a run the ball, possession back and forth field goal type game. Okay, so for your um. Game of the week. What are you predicting? I am predicting. I am predicting the Sea Dragons over the Roughnecks. That's my game of the week, and I, I'm predicting the Sea Dragons over the Roughnecks. They're going to beat them. First loss for Houston. I'm going um, Houston uh, versus Seattle as the game of the week, and I'm going Houston, and that that that's my pick as well. Um, and let's see what else we got left before we head out. I think that's it. Um, Jesse, you got anything else to add? I think overall what we've seen is that the XFL has brought some interesting concepts and ideas and that we're seeing better play and that coaching coaching and reps matter for players, especially quarterbacks. And I'm really interested to see over the second half of the season how the quarterback play improves or if it regresses. Because if it improves, it's going to be a big thing 
going into next year that there are going to be quarterbacks, I think, that are hanging around practice squads and maybe not firmly on NFL rosters that may elect to go to the XFL so they can get the reps. Right. And um, real quick, I don't know if I asked this earlier. I just remember we, we've talked about so much. As we're heading into the, to the midpoint uh, of the season, do you see coaches like Rod Woodson or Terrell Buckley staying in this league next year? I yeah, I can definitely see it. I I think part of the part of the problems with trying to identify who's a good coach and who's a bad coach, like Wade Phillips, we know he's a good coach. He's been in the NFL forever. Maybe not. He maybe wasn't the greatest head coach, but he was. He's a Hall of Fame caliber defensive coordinator. And then you got coaches like Rod Woodson and Terrell Buckley who are coaching their own teams and they're trying to they're trying to figure out what works and doesn't work for them. Right. And also trying to develop players. I. I'd like to see them get a second season and continue to give it a shot. I would too. And I don't want them to be discouraged. You know, this is growing pains for fans. This is growing pains for the players. This is growing pains for them. And I honestly hope that a lot of that team for Orlando and, and Vegas come back next year, if they're not going to the X to the, to the NFL, because work with what you got. And if it's not good right now, make it good. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, I I think it I think it makes a lot of sense that you're seeing you're seeing a league that is you're dealing with a lot of new and in some cases it's just a team of new players and you're trying to bring them together and make them a team. Or in the case of like Vegas and Orlando, you have two young coaches who are trying to learn what does and doesn't work and how to coach around some of the limitations of their team and figure out what guys can and can't do. Right. I agree. Okay, well, if that's all you got, Jess, are you ready to end this thing? Yeah. Okay, guys, thank you for joining us. This has been the XFL uh, Week 3 and 4 review. We made our predictions for Week 5. We can't wait to see you um, after Week 6. This is the bi-weekly podcast for the XFL. <laughs> Brought to you by Finn Flam Sports. I'm your host, Big John, with lead analyst Jesse J. Please don't forget to go to our website, listen, listen to our podcast on finflamsports.com. We're going to put up some great content uh, going forward. Don't miss out. We'll see you guys next time. Take it easy, Jess. Mm-hmm. You don't stop happening in the world today. You don't. You don't. You don't. We need to make a change one day.